Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one equitable page of Talmud each day. And on today's page, Sota 20, we find what sounds like a strange sort of reasoning for why we should teach our daughters Torah. Have a listen. The Mishnah limits the scope of the previous statement. If she has merit, the Talmud tells us, it delays punishment for her and she does not die immediately. There is a merit that delays punishment for one year. There is a larger merit that delays punishment for two years. And there is a merit that delays punishment for three years. From here, Ben Azai states, a person is obligated to teach his daughter Torah so that if she drinks and does not die immediately, she will know that some merit she has delayed punishment for her. Huh. So studying Torah is basically a sort of spiritual vaccine. And if the adulterous woman, who is guilty, is particularly learned, Benazai tells us, she may still drink the cursed waters and not die right away because, well, she's taken the time to study Hashem's words and she gets to live for another year or two or even three. Now, listen. The Sota ceremony is no modern person's idea of fun times. So I read this bit of Talmud and started thinking, about the many, 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 many women I know who love the Torah very much, who study it, who teach it, and help others love it so much as well. But we only have time on this show for one story of one amazing woman. So here is producer Robert Scaramuccia with a story of one of America's only sofrot, or female Torah scribes, who lovingly and painstakingly writes each letter on a Torah scroll by hand. Have a listen. Hey everyone, it's producer Robert Scaramuccia. You don't need to be a Jew to know that a Torah scroll doesn't come out of a 3D printer. It's also not made in China. It's written by hand, on parchment, by a special person called a sofer, or a scribe. Or rather, make that a soferet. Alexandra Kasser is one of very, very few female Torah scroll scribes and a founding member of the Stom Scribes Collective, a guild for female scribes. I went down to Fairfax, Virginia to hang with her and learn what life is like when your job is to write down the word of God one careful letter at a time. The physicality of the Torah scroll is a really interesting thing that most people don't really think about. Most Jews don't think like, how heavy is the Torah scroll? What does it smell like? Does it get moldy if it gets left out in the humidity? The answer is yes, by the way. Alexandra Kasser gets up close and personal with Torah scrolls. She can tell you the average scroll weighs about 25 pounds, has a thin plaster coating, and smells a bit like a dog who's recently had a bath. She knows these things because she's a soferet, or a Jewish scribe. She writes and repairs the parts of Jewish practice you can see and touch and break. The tefillin worn for prayers, the mezuzahs stuck to door frames, the Megillahs read at Purim with the story of Esther. But mostly the Torah scrolls, used by synagogues for services, bar mitzvahs, everything. 
When I sit down in front of a specific Torah scroll for the first time, the first thing I think of is how many people use this Torah scroll for a family celebration, for a simcha, as we would say in Hebrew or Yiddish, being called up to the Torah before they get married or because a child was born. How many people's lives was this Torah a part of? And now I'm responsible to all of them for keeping it in good health. According to Jewish law, you can only read from a Torah scroll if each of its letters are kosher whole, proportional, and identifiable. There are 300,000 letters in the five books of Moses, all written by hand, one fallible ink stroke at a time. So Alex has a steady stream of work. People often ask me, when you're writing, are you thinking about the story? And the truth is, for myself, I'm not even thinking about the whole word. I'm just thinking about that letter or even the constituent parts of the letter, because every little stroke needs to be perfect in order to remain in that scroll. Certainly, if you find a crack in a letter, that's an urgent situation and you need to call in the scribal emergency services and have it fixed. And a lot of scribes do go on these little calls where somebody finds a cracked or chipped letter and they have to go in and fix it because they need that Torah scroll to be used soon. Sometimes, Alex sounds less like a scribe and more like a surgeon. Her tools are a quill and some ink, but also a scalpel for scraping chipped letters off parchment. But the thing that separates scribal work from surgical work is that in her job, sometimes you just gotta bring a five-year-old into the operating room. So if there's a question of whether a letter looks like an intermediate between two letters, so for example, if a letter is a resh, which makes an R sound, or if it's a final chaf, which makes a ch sound, they look kind of similar. Somebody might say, well, this is either a long resh or a short chaf, what is it? You find a child, and it needs to be a child who's not too smart and not too dumb, and you cover up all of the surrounding letters, and you say, hey kid, what does this look like? And you take your answer from that. Alex says this happens all the time. To do scribal work, you don't need a flowing beard or 30 years of experience. You just need to know how to look. I think a lot of people, Jewish or not Jewish, consider scribal arts very much to be the realm of like elderly, somber rabbis, perhaps only ultra-Orthodox rabbis. But I think it's really wonderful to say that when we need a definitive answer on which letter something is, we go to a child, not even a particularly smart child. He can't be particularly smart. So I love telling kids that. I love telling them that they have a specific place in this world of Jewish scribal arts, and they love hearing it. Alex herself also has a specific place in the world of Jewish scribal arts. Her Hebrew title is Soferet, instead of the much more common Sofer. A male scribe is called a Sofer, and a female scribe is called a Soferet. Interestingly, I think that most women who do this job really enjoy the title of Soferet, perhaps because it's novel and do not aspire to be called a Sofer. There are hundreds of male scribes out there, but according to Alex, she might be one of only a few dozen female scribes in the world. Certainly the number of Sofrot or Soferets that exist in the world is teeny tiny, is statistically negligible. Our influence is outsized to our numbers, but I'm fine with that. People seem very taken with us. A few years ago, Alex helped found Stom Scribes, an organization for non-traditional and often female scribes. They share knowledge 
and make referrals and keep connected from New York to Israel to New Zealand. Alex lives in Virginia, which mostly impacts her work in that she'd love to have an apprentice, but it's kind of hard to find one in Fairfax, Virginia. Her location shines through in other ways, too. Can you tell me about the, the quill that you're using? Um, this quill is a wild turkey feather quill, actually from a turkey that my husband shot. Yeah, quill can be made from any kosher animal's flight feathers. Technically, you don't have to use a quill when working on a Torah, but a quill gives you a finer line. So Alex uses a quill, one she made herself for her hand, one that only fits her hand, Harry Potter style. Exactly, it's exactly like everybody gets their own wand. Honestly, what Alex does is sort of magical. These are 100 foot long rolls of parchment made of kosher animal skin and sewn together with string made from cow intestine. They're old and have sometimes been through a lot. Many of the scrolls she's worked on survived the Holocaust. They have quirks and scars. Some have letters embellished by some scribe in Poland in 1902, or new panels sewn in that used to be Megillah's because new parchment was so hard to find back then. Alex has to sift through what's kosher and what's not, letter by letter. She loves it. When you look at a Torah scroll, you're looking at a year of a person's life maybe 18 months, maybe two years. It's almost like a mother becoming pregnant and giving birth. It's something that's produced with a tremendous amount of effort. And that effort can be seen in even the smallest strokes. And then when we go back to review it, to give it its little checkup, what I'm doing is reviewing those strokes, seeing are they broken, are they faded? Are they still present? Are there chips left out? Because if even one letter is chipped or cracked, you would not be able to read from the scroll. What you learn talking to Alex about her work is that the Torah scroll is more than just parchment. It's even more than a holy book, at least in the way that most people think about holy books. If Alex is a doctor, then the Torah scroll is a patient, treated almost like a person. It's born from organic materials. It ages and it dies. Jewish law, from the creation of a scroll onwards, gives the scroll a life. When a Torah scroll reaches the end of its life, it's buried in a Jewish cemetery. And if you ever go to a Jewish cemetery, you might see a headstone that says Sefer Torah. We do sometimes come up against congregants or leadership who really want to continue to use a scroll, even though it has reached the end of its life and it can no longer be made kosher. And that's often a really complicated thing to deal with. Alex extends lifespans. When I visited her, she had a scroll from Czechoslovakia that was two centuries old. That's a lot of stitching and re-lettering to keep something going. Alex was likely the first female scribe to work on it, and definitely the first to use a quill made from a recently deceased Virginian turkey. Like I said, in the scribal arts, Alexandra Kasser has a specific and special place. This is uh, just some practicing I was doing, but I am using a scalpel to um, gently scrape off the top layer of ink on an old letter because that is how we 
remove ink when you're dealing with ink on parchment. You can use erasers to kind of get rid of the, um, the extra schmutz, that's a technical term, that's sitting on the parchment, but the only way to get ink off of parchment is to use a blade. A question I get a lot is, well, why does a Torah scroll need to be handwritten? I even saw that somebody in Germany created a robot that can hold a pen and write a Torah scroll, which is kind of cool. I'm glad it's not gonna put me out of a job because Jewish law says that's not okay. So when you're writing, you make a guide stroke to get the ink off your quill. And then you always pull your quill. You don't push it. The truth is, there are a lot of things that I believe God could perhaps have set up the universe to do more easily. But by having us expend more effort to do it, we are partners with him in creating it. This is like a nice small one. Nice small Torah. There is a story of a, that's told in the Mishnah in an early Jewish source of a scribe who found himself before a certain rabbi, and the rabbi said, what's your job? And the man said, I'm a scribe. And he said, be very careful in your work because it's the work of heaven, and if you were to make an error on one letter, it might destroy the whole world. That's something I take very seriously in that if that rabbi felt that it was necessary to say that, he obviously felt very strongly. Very, very satisfying to look at a line that you've just written with all the raised ink. See how beautiful and shiny it is. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and get your Take One t-shirts and mugs at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramucci, Courtney Hazlett, Mark Oppenheimer, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one. Subscribe to our newsletter at tabletm.ag slash take one newsletter or email us at take one at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at take one.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic. Thank you.